the failure to act with sufficient ambition to avert the climate catastrophe will be the greatest moral failure of our time. Making changes takes courage, and if we don't change things, we won't have a future. I'm an environmentalist. A lot of people don't understand that. I think I know more about the environment than most people. You have stolen my dreams and my childhood with your empty words. Change is coming, whether you like it or not. Zero Carbon East Hall. Hello and welcome to Zero Carbon Easter Series 2, The Manifesto. I'm Ian Collins. It's that regular Friday appointment, the weekly dose of environmental matters. The green agenda stops for no one, and each week we delve into those salient issues. The man in the driving seat, of course, is the entrepreneur Dale Vince, often described as an accidental businessman. He's the owner of Ecotricity, the world's first green energy company, and in his other role, he's chairman of Forest Green Rovers, where a League One position currently beckons. Uh, Dale, morning to you. I often get asked, which is the day job good question i get asked that as well <laughs> in fact somebody asked me yesterday how much time do i spend on ecotricity compared to other stuff and you know it actually changes so one week it might be all about ecotricity yeah. another week it's all about football it really depends on what's going on uh, right now it's all about ecotricity and and the third or fourth lockdown i lost count and uh, and and that yeah. kind of stuff you know but i mean when you're when you're watching forest green in action and it's a particularly tasty match and everything is falling into place nicely and a few beauties have been tapped in from your boys do you never sit there and think sod the energy stuff oh i don't have to be sat at football to think that <laughs> <laughs> it's just laying in a bath it's it's been hard work actually energy i would say um we've been doing about 25 years and a lot has yeah. changed along the way and i think i reached a place where i kind of been there done that and you know kind of uh, lost the t-shirt actually uh, for that and i would like to do something different and well i am doing some different things as well yeah, as yeah. energy so uh, yeah my life is moving on a little it must be. I mean, it's incredible. We've talked about so many issues where uh, bureaucracy and government legislation and rules and regulations and impenetrable layers of um, all manner of uh, diktats uh, that come out from government. It must be particularly frustrating if you, you know, you've got an idea, you've, you've got a theory, uh, you'd like to see something expanded. There's literally no reason on God's earth that anybody would stand in the way. And then you discover a pen pusher somewhere in Whitehall has stood in the way. I think it's politicians more than bureaucrats that are standing in the way, actually. I mean, on the one hand, I think we've made great progress with these uh, these concepts, energy, transport, and food. We can see revolutions underway in all of these three big walks yeah, of true. life. You know, but on the other hand, there are people that have stood in the way inexplicably. David Cameron kind of put up barriers to onshore wind and solar, for example. He, he took away the zero carbon standard for new homes, just killed it. Why uh, would he do that, though? What's, what's in it? for him to do that surely there's only an advantage to him to not do that well that's i think we might have been talking about this last week you know why yeah. why wouldn't you go for that progressive vote uh, as a tory and he did set out to do that he promised to run the greenest government ever he was pictured hugging a husky i met him at one of our windmills actually he didn't hug me uh, but it was a kind of similar because uh, you're not a husky similar affair i think <laughs> and by the time he left office he was talking about green crap cutting out the green crap so you know he made a 180 degree uh, about turn on on green issues in his short time in, in government. And I think it was really for internal reasons. About 100 of his MPs wrote him a letter saying, we don't want them windmill things in the countryside, you know. And, uh, and that had a big impact on him, uh, which is unfortunate. 
throughout the course of this podcast, of course, we, we talk about other issues that are still related to sort of unfathomable government moments. Let's talk about school meals here, because there was a, a, a right old fallout on this one in the week. I mean, it's like the, the government must be having Groundhog Day feelings over this, you'd, you yeah. would imagine. I mean, the fourth U-turn on, on school dinners in 12 months, and, and even now, the government's signaling that at the uh, February half term, there won't be free school meals. I mean, what are they thinking? They just want... They just want to lose again. Public opinion is so, so far the other way. Um, I, I don't understand what the government are doing, honestly. And um, I think Rashford published a picture of what the the parcels, uh, food parcels, look like this week, and and that got a lot of attention. And uh, Johnson described them as, I, I think, uh, uh, unacceptable or disgraceful or something like that, just for Keir Starmer to point out to him that it was government specified. <laughs> content you know two potatoes and a loaf of bread and a couple of yeah, yeah. tubes of yogurt i think it was you know what, what what an incredible mess and off the back of all of that putting out the idea that they won't be free school meals in in february half term i, I think it's just mad this is another u-turn in the making obviously oh it's it you can you can see it about to happen I and mean, it's just it is extraordinary i appreciate you know there's, there's not a bottomless pit of cash for everything and everyone could could make an equally compelling and seductive case but on something like this you might have thought somebody one of the aforementioned pen pushers would take the PM to one side and say, look, Boris, look, on this one, just get back to the vouchers, 30 quid, every parent, every kid under this age, and let's keep it like that for the foreseeable. Yeah, it would, it would be a common sense thing to do, but I, I do think it's about priorities and values, and, and our government values other things. I don't think they see the merit uh, in in helping out in cases of food poverty. They, what you know, do they value, though, Dale? What is there? Wealth you know, you creation. Said, what, what is the... But, but even the wealth creators are moaning now, so they've even got that wrong. <laughs> well, I mean, they've, they've been chucking incredible sums of money around to support the economy and to support different sectors of, of business like pubs and restaurants and stuff like that. You know, yeah. eat, eat Out to Help Out in August, 500 million quid giving people half-priced pub dinners. But the kids that can't afford to eat a, a, a lunch uh, during during school time, the government absolutely resent giving them anything. And, and I think it's just a, um, it's a matter of priorities and values and this this government don't think its job is to help out poor people yeah i mean i get the idea that you can have more ways of doing things than just the way one person suggests it so i understand that so if they said look okay thank you mr rashford and, and your your ideas it's you know very powerful you're a, a, a well-respected you know, footballer you're young you've got all of those things going on but don't worry we've got another way of doing it it'll achieve the same aim so panic over but it's not even that and you know it, that would be fine if there was this kind of big alternative there and they always come out with the same line don't they that well, actually overall we've spent more money on school meals than any other government i don't know whether that's true or not but if people aren't eating properly it doesn't matter it doesn't matter you're right i mean these are you know uh, unusual times aren't they I, I think you're right you know it's not about how it's done it's about whether it's done and the government doesn't think that it should i mean one of the classic lines they trotted out over the summer was that it wasn't the school's responsibility to feed kids in the holidays and it's like well nobody's saying that we're saying it's the government's responsibility i mean food is a basic uh, human need isn't it and uh, and for kids especially you know if, if a kid is in a family that can't afford to feed them i mean that's a really important thing and as a society and as a government we should do something about that it should be a priority 
Here's a question from Phil on Facebook who says, congratulations on your geothermal project, Dale. Is it difficult to turn geothermal energy into electricity? We've had a geothermal heating project in Southampton for a quarter of a century. No, I don't think it's too hot. Uh, Sorry, too hot, too difficult. It is about heat, actually. Uh, You need to get water out at a higher temperature. So for heating, you know, you're probably looking for something around 40 degrees. Uh, For making electricity, you need more than that. So that's the challenge, to get deep enough to find the hot enough water. But, uh, yeah, geothermal is a fabulous concept. Question from Jamie. Dale, a while back you mentioned you were planning to get involved in a Solway Bay tidal project. Is this going ahead? You better explain what it is first, Dale. Yeah, it's a tidal lagoon, actually. And um, we've got a project in Solway Bay. In fact, there's two projects there, one on either side of the border, um, you know, a line that runs down the middle. And um, what they both are are kind of like... um, swimming pools in the sea if you can imagine that so imagine a rock wall let's say call it a square built out to sea probably standing a couple of meters above uh, sea level and what we do is we impound water when the tide comes in within this uh, rock pool or, or swimming pool and when the tide goes out and the water level outside the wall falls sufficiently then the water is let out from the lagoon through turbines to make electricity and so it's a form of renewable energy but it's it's very different to the wind and sun which are driven by the weather which can be uh, variable of course we're getting good at predicting it but still it comes and it goes whereas the tides i mean they do come and they go but they're forecastable 100 years ahead or more so you know we know when it's coming so it makes it a very kind of predictable and to a degree controllable form of energy so it's a great idea Uh, it needs some government support to build the first ones and that's what we're waiting for really for government to decide whether they want to back it or not uh, here's a story. The planet facing a ghastly future of mass extinction, declining health and climate disruption upheavals that threaten human survival because of ignorance and inaction. And this is according to an international group of scientists who warn people st- warn that people still haven't grasped the urgency uh, of the biodiversity and climate crisis. This seems to be a kind of common thread. You think, well, lots of people, there's people like yourself, there are scientists, there are uh, campaigners, all manner of people shouting this from the rafters. Uh, who's not listening? Uh, yeah, <laughs> good question. <laughs> I think governments are not listening, definitely, and our government's not listening. We had the 10 pointless plan a few weeks ago, which recycled a whole bunch of spending pledges and, and, and some pretty empty promises that were really only just keeping pace with the change that's happening anyway, you know. So uh, we've got COP26 this year, though, in, in, in Britain. You know, the next big climate conference is being hosted here. And uh, there is an opportunity for Britain to show a bit of leadership and, and make some changes. And uh, we're going to be doing a bit of campaigning for that. And, uh, you know, let's see if we just can't get the politicians to listen. I did hear the other day, it was last night on a phone call taking part in something. Somebody said to me, the cabinet office are focused on energy, transport and food from a policy point of view for COP. And I thought that sounds very interesting. I'm going to follow that up. Yeah. Yeah, well, watch this space on that one. Um, Ken emails, uh, zerocarbonista at ecotricity.co.uk, says, I'm involved in house building. I want to generate interest in getting the very, very inefficient building regulations changed. How do we speed this up? I want to stop the construction of crap houses with oversized gas and oil boilers. How and where do we start? Kind of more like how how and where do we 
pick this up and put it back uh, into progress again, really, because as I mentioned, uh, Cameron did something quite fundamental a few years ago. He he ended the Zero Carbon Homes program, and this had been running for many years, and it involved the building industry, and it set out a series of sequential steps to drive new house building down to zero carbon. And it was about to be implemented. Uh, everybody was on board, and, and for no discernible reason, Cameron ended it a few years ago. So the standard exists and uh, the housing industry had bought into it and was ready to deliver it. So everything we need, we have, we just got to dust it off and uh, put it back into action. Uh, here's an interesting story from across the uh, across the pond. Um, when we speak next week, there will officially be a new president, of course. Mm. Yeah, uh, the other one would have gone. Uh, but I, I spotted this, that the two um, scientists, controversial scientists, appointed by the Trump administration have been removed from their posts at the White House after publishing papers downplaying the climate crisis with an unapproved use of the presidential seal. So they've cooked up their own plans, lobbed the presidential seal on. Uh, essentially faked up that this came from the so even even trump didn't agree with them it's, it's, uh, well i have to say <laughs> my, my, my first instinct is don't really matter because if they had stuck those papers in front of trump he would have signed them i feel sure well you'd have thought so yes based on everything we know about him but yeah, that's uh, probably it, what they thought isn't it they probably thought yeah look this is a given you know it's, it's anti yeah. anti the climate crisis the president is going to be on yeah. the boss. You know, <laughs> that was right. a, a, not an unreasonable way to look at things. Yeah, I think so. Nobody you, should you, be surprised. Yeah, are you expecting to, to change with the Biden administration? I mean, because I mean, obviously, you know, a, a, a new broom and all the rest of it. Uh, that you know, a sense that um, that these people will re-sign up to you know Paris and various other agreements and and, and get back into the serious business of addressing all the issues we speak about. Uh, but they're also not without their critics as well about things not going far enough. Yeah, but look, he's not in power yet, even. So uh, I kind of uh, slightly deaf to the, to the the critical voices. I think you know, give the guy a chance uh, that there is a massive plan of spending uh, and commitment to renewable energy and climate change. And I think the US is about to resume its leadership role in the world, uh, in, in, in all kinds of world affairs, but not least in climate change. And, and I do think that Europe without Britain is going to be better off and better able to move on a lot of issues like this. And I think that we'll see a competition Im- emerge between Europe and the US in terms of who's got the uh, the claim to world leadership on climate issues. I think, yeah. you know, we- we'll be flapping around on the margins, claiming to be world beating and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, they'll pat us on the head and smile and, and carry on with the business of grownups. Uh, but I think Europe and the US are going to, um, you know, really, really deliver in the, in the coming year and so here's a question from sal uh, dale i first heard you on ed Miliband's reasons to be cheerful podcast uh, and now i'm a convert uh, not a question just thanks uh, great to have you speaking about the moral and environmental imperative to end animal farming as well and what's all this moonlighting onto other podcasts dale? i mean look <laughs> yeah my Ed bad Miliband as well <laughs> yeah my bad but no, it, was, it was really fun actually i mean I, i've known ed for a little while since he was leader of the of the party a few years ago and uh you know he's a great guy um you know he gets it's very funny thing. isn't he that's the thing that people don't realize about he, it it's funny yeah he's funny i i've the funniest christmas card i've ever had is is a is one he sent me it's a picture of himself sat on a harley eating a bacon sandwich <laughs> 
Brilliant. Brilliant. <laughs> Just a uh, yeah. you know, bit of self-deprecating humor. Yeah, I mean, self-deprecating stuff over the bacon sandwich, he, he never tires of. And it, it, it's it's always, frankly, amusing. So good, good on him. Um, but Sal, I'm assuming, is now a convert to this podcast uh, from that podcast, which is good. So we, we thank Ed Miliband. We're stealing his listeners. Yeah, definitely. And, and look, I mean, Ed gets the whole green economy, green industrial revolution thing. So, you know, I mean, he's, he's a great person to have in the Labour Party on the front bench for that. Uh, so I've got big hopes, actually, for, for policy that will emerge from the Labour Party. I think later this year, probably ahead of COP, I think we're bound to see some. And, uh, you know, maybe we can just shift our focus away from uh, the pandemic and 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 silly little uh, issues. I say silly little issues, but I mean, the, the, the clumsy treatment of important issues such as school dinners uh, and, and get on with something, you know, more meaningful and useful. Yeah. Yeah, that actually changes things. Um, B on Twitter, final one, Dale. Uh, how's the electric hovercraft coming on? My son wants to go. We've talked about this before. What, what's the what's the deal here? Are you building one? Yeah, we are. We, we are building an electric hovercraft. It's going to be, it looks like a coastal version, so big enough to carry like two or three people or a bunch of stuff. We're hoping to put it into use with Sea Shepherd for some marine patrol work. And uh, yeah, we just had the idea a few weeks ago, or well, a couple of months probably now, um, to electrify a hovercraft because I think that would be really cool. For one thing, they'd be a lot quieter than the hovercraft are. Uh, but of yeah. course, it uh, you know takes another uh, internal combustion engine use case uh, out, out, of, out of contention. And we're also building the iron horse at the same time so the two projects have merged we're, we're kind of looking at similar powertrain and battery pack setups for both of those and we're actually exploring a new tech which is very exciting which is super capacitors instead of batteries wow they seem to have an enormous amount to offer and the tech sure. has really moved on in the last couple of years and the people we're talking to think that they can make super capacitors that can compete with lithium-ion batteries for energy density if you're going to be doing any of these this testing across the channel, you better be careful because you might might bump into Farage with his big net. <laughs> yes, he might yeah. think you're illegal or something, and, and he'll he'll do something about it. Yeah, he might. I don't know what to say, honestly, but. Uh, yeah. But I guess we have to be careful if we even drive into Kent, don't we? We need a we need a pass for that, a Kermit pass, don't we? You've got to have everything now. Uh, it's like Kent is... <laughs> another country. It's, it's another planet, frankly. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that should never be forgotten. Dale, we'll speak in a week, uh, a, a new chapter in 2021, in a week's time. Looking forward to it. Uh, that's it for this episode. Don't forget to call subscribe for free from your podcast provider so that you get each new episode automatically. Do leave a review there as well. Uh, if you want to get in touch, you can email your comments and questions zerocarbonista at ecotricity.co.uk. Really important bit this. Do make sure you follow Dale on social media. That's twitter.com slash dalevince and facebook.com slash dalevince. Zero carbon. East off.